our role as a therapist is not always just to give advice based on, you know, our own experience or what we think is best, but to really try to pull out what do you feel like is right for you, for your system, for your experiences. Hi, brave friends. I believe one of the most enlightening and healing self-care practices we can engage in is therapy. Here in this community, we are huge proponents of going to therapy, especially if you are having a never-ending slumber party of sadness or grief or resentment, or if you feel buried in overwhelm or anxiety, you can get unstuck and out of the quicksand. But how do you find just the right therapist? How is it possible? There are so many out there. Or even if your insurance list is limited, how do you really narrow it down? Today on the show, we have two fabulous therapists, Chris Iomo and Kimberly Coy, both friends of mine and colleagues to We Are Brave. They have been guests on the podcast before, and I know you will benefit from their expertise and care today. Let's listen in to this very worthwhile conversation. Hi, friends. We've got great guests for you today who have been on the show before, Kimberly Coy and Chris Iomo. We are lucky to have them. They are both licensed marriage and family therapists. We get to hear from both of them today about how do you really find a therapist that fits you. Obviously, for some of our listeners, they're going to go to their insurance list or they're going to ask somebody that they trust. They're going to check reliable online databases like American Psychological Association. But what we're talking about today is when you get into that chair and you have your first session or your first couple of sessions, how do you really know that a therapist is the right fit? Great question. Um, I will jump in there. Good to see you again, Jess. You know, that's always the hardest part because going to a therapist is, is typically a pretty scary, daunting uh, task at first. You identify that there's something going on that it's worth it to go talk to somebody. And then you realize all the things that we're normally trying to minimize and all the things we're normally trying to just push forward through and, and put on a good face and act well. Now we're going to go potentially talk to a complete stranger about it and open up and go to their, their office and walk in and pay for it at the end of it. It's a very bizarre process at first. Um, so it can be really scary. Um, so I think this is a great topic just for a podcast to understand, to destigmatize it, to realize that of course you're going to be nervous. You should be nervous. <laughs> We've been taught our whole lives not to talk to strangers, not to do things like this. And then to realize I'm going to give so much of myself to this person. There's a lot going on to recognize like, well, how do I figure out who that person is? How do I figure out the right fit for me? I'm not sure if there's a, a specific question or just to jump in. But so much of that, you know, if you are able to get a referral as a word of mouth of a friend or a family member who has gone to somebody, that's already a great place to start because there's already that buy and there's already a little bit of a connection of like, okay, this person I trust and I know. So if they feel comfortable with this person, it's already going to feel a little bit better for me. So if you have someone in your life who's able to refer a, a site, a clinic, a group, an individual therapist, that's a great place to start because it can be even more scary to try and pick that person that you're going to share your life with based off of uh, an insurance panelist with a last name and a zip code. And that's a really hard way to go. You could see one of the best therapists in the world, but if there's not a good fit, if you don't feel comfortable, it's not going to be as productive and beneficial and, and worth the time and, and cost both emotionally and financially. 
Chris, I think that's such a great point about just feeling, you know, a connection with your therapist and obviously coming in with some butterflies, some nerves, anxiety, if you will. It's pretty normal. I would say most of my clients, when I meet them, I mean, they they do have a little bit of anxiety coming in because they're getting ready to tell some secrets, maybe that they've never told anybody and disclose some things in their life. But I read somewhere that 80% of the work that's actually done in therapy is actually based in the, on the therapeutic alignment that you have. And so that that you have with your therapist. So that joining process, that attunement with your therapist is so important to the overall work that that gets done. Um, and, and I would just ask yourself these questions, you know, if, at, upon meeting a therapist for the first time, do you feel seen by this therapist? Do you feel heard? Do you feel valued? by this person. You know, I'm under this belief that universally all people need to feel loved and that they need to feel safe. And that goes back to infants with their caregivers, you know. So so the same thing would apply actually to your therapist. Do you feel I mean loved maybe not like but do you feel valued by them? Do you feel like they see you? Do you feel safe when you're in their office? Safe meaning do you feel like you can trust them with these things that you're these stories that you have these things that you're holding in your heart? Yeah. Well I like how you point out the the parental part of that too right? There are two main relationships that offer the space that can actually transform the way our mind works and the neural pathways we have. One, we're born into, and those are your caregivers. And that's just out of instinct and out of necessity. We trust these people to have access to us in that way, to be a co-regulating force with us. And we're all broken. I've got kids. And I think all the time about how I'm messing up and telling Heidi or someone, well, that's going to be therapy for them one day. And realizing that my humanity is going to rupture that no matter what I do, no matter how much I try. And then later in life, so parents, we are, we are obligated. We just out of necessity, give them that access. And therapists are the only other role of this kind of relationship that actually is neurogenic and can create new pathways to understand and see the world. And it's because we've chosen to give them that access. So we have parents who are given it out of just birth and necessity, and then the therapist who you invite into that place. So it's a very vulnerable, very safe, intimate space where we're giving them that space to be that co-regulating force for us. So, you know, to the point of like, that's exactly, you want it to be that safe holding environment where you might feel very anxious and unsettled. But there's that difference, that feeling of anxiety and process, but it's not because the relationship is scary. It's because the relationship is actually safe enough to start thinking and dealing with scary things. And when I think of safety, too, I think of just a supportive environment. So not only do you feel like you can trust your therapist and you're, you're safe, your, your story is safe with them, but also you're supported. I love what Irvin Yalom, I think it was in The Gift of Therapy, um, he says, and I'll just quote here, he says, what do clients recall when they look back years later on their experience in therapy? It's not insight, he writes, not the therapist's interpretations. He says, more often than not, they remember the positive support statements of their therapist. And I just love that. You know, do you feel when you walk out of the room that your therapist was supporting you? You know, we're in a world where we don't often receive a whole lot of support. Maybe that goes back to your family of origin. Maybe your mother or father wasn't that supportive, nurturing individual in your life. And there's a lot of people with that sort of deficit in their life, just looking for somebody in their life 
that's going to be that supportive, non-judgmental, safe role. I, I think about, you know, myself, I think good therapists need a good therapist, you know? And so, so I go and see my therapist. That's what I look for. Yeah. As you're looking for a therapist, you might hear people tell you, oh, you have to go find a cognitive behavioral therapist, or you really want to find a Freudian analyst and all these different modalities and theories. And we're finding more and more that it's not important which theory that is. It's very important that your therapist has a way that that kind of organizes their thoughts and the way they treat. But for the person going to therapy, it's really more important back to that rapport. And if someone meets with me, they're going to end up feeling really seen and heard and do really well with more of an attachment EFT kind of connection. The same person might go find a cognitive behavioral therapist, and if they feel really connected to them, they're going to do great with cognitive behavioral therapy. So we're really finding more, it's less about which in theoretical perspective in particular, and more about the rapport and relationship. Uh, that being said, there are a few types of situations where you do want to find a certain kind of therapist who does have a certain set of skills. Uh, but in general, it, you're really looking for like what you're saying, that rapport, that safety, that containment of, do I trust this person with my story? So what are some red flags for somebody to know right away that, oh gosh, this is not going to be the right experience? Yeah, that's a great question, Jessica. I think one red flag for me in looking for a therapist would be, do they talk about themselves all the time? I've actually, you know, I've had therapists that just love to tell their own stories and that's not necessarily what you're going for. You're not looking for a friend. You're looking for a wise person that's going to be able to sit with you and to hear your story and provide maybe not so much advice, but some wisdom. So if they're spending most of your, their session talking about their own stories and their own children and their own life stories, that may not be what you want. That may work for a cup of coffee with a friend, but maybe that's not what you want to look for in a therapist. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And, you know, you mentioned a few things as far as experience level and and as a supervisor, I've had some trainees and interns um, who are just extremely skilled and I think able to hold that space and contain, um, you know, a session just as well, if not better than some of the licensed therapists I've interacted with. So experience, you know, is a good indicator of, you know, if you're going through something and you really want someone who's been through a lot and you want to look at their CV of what they can do and what they've been through. But don't be hesitant to find the intern that maybe you get referred to who is just really gifted and still working on that you know, 1,000 hours, 3,000 hours, whatever their state requires of having to be supervised by a supervisor. Um, so experience is a good one to be able to rule out. Another thing, you know, boundaries, are they holding to the time well? Are they showing up on time? So much of this is about, do I feel safe in this place? And if I can count on my therapist keeping the appointments they set, if I can count on them ending an appointment on time or starting on time, you know, there may be some people who are able to flow with this a little bit more, but for the most part, we need some containment. We need to know where it's going to start and finish. We need to know that there is some formula and some foundation to what this looks like so I can start to trust the process a little bit more, right? If I never know when it's going to end, your body's going to be in a certain level of hypervigilance trying to always anticipate, okay, is that a cue to end? Is this a cue to end? Or, or what's he doing now? Um, so we want to give as much space for them to feel safe and be able to relax and just open up into that session, whether it's 50 minutes or, or whatever the time might be. But those are a couple of the things, you know, a lot of these are hard to decipher until you actually get in to meet with them. Or if you're talking with them on the phone, having a consultation before you actually have your first session. But yeah, the, our job as therapists is to be a person in the room. And sometimes that involves some personal details. But the, our job is to know how to use ourselves as an instrument, not as just, like you were saying, Kim, a cup of coffee friend. Um, there's a big difference and, and people can feel the difference. 
I think that's so good. I, I also love, I, I referred to it earlier, Jessica, but The Gift of Therapy by Irvin Yalom would be a great book maybe for somebody to uh, read even before they go and find a therapist. It's a, it's a really lovely read by a gifted therapist. And he talks about his role as a fellow traveler. In this journey of life, you're walking beside your clients. Our, our role as a therapist is not always just to give advice based on you know, our own experience or what we think is best, but to really try to pull out well, what do you feel like is right for you, for your system, for your experiences. And so I just really like that idea, you know, maybe a potential red flag is, you know, is this therapist, is it his way or the highway? You know, is it just completely advice driven, but lacking in maybe curiosity? about what you think is best, maybe offering a couple different ways that one could go. You know, we don't, I don't think we as therapists always need to feel like we have all the right answers, but we believe that sometimes we can draw those out of our clients, that they actually do have the right answers, but sometimes they just need somebody to believe in them enough to encourage them and affirm that what they know is to do is true. No, I think that's wonderful. The, the the co-traveler is such a beautiful picture because that is one of the reasons people need to go to therapy sometimes because people want to solve problems. We have this anxiety if someone's going to share with me, not me as a therapist, but me universal, something they're going through, it starts to stir up anxiety in me. So the natural inclination is to try and solve that, not only because I care about you, but also the same anxiety is too close. I need to figure out a way to get rid of it. So we'll find that a lot of times if I'm sharing, again, I universal, right? With uh, someone, what I'm going through, a lot of times it triggers them. You see them start to give solutions and the solutions oftentimes are well-intended, but the impact is minimizing the struggle, making it feel like I'm not really feeling seen or heard, invalidating my problem. If it's a, well, at least you have kind of comment, or if it's a, well, that's nothing. This guy did went through this, you know, those are intended to try and minimize the pain I'm feeling, but what they really do is just intensify the pain and make me feel even more alone. So going to someone who's able to sit in the anxiety with you, someone who's not afraid of that tension, right? We're trying to teach resilience and tolerance of those places, not avoidance. We're not looking for perfection of how do I never feel again? It's how can I sit with someone who I'm able to co-regulate with long enough where maybe we just sit and we cry the whole time. Maybe I'm sad and I don't leave feeling happy, but at least I felt like it was okay for me to feel sad that whole time. We are negative emotions are a very scary, um, taboo area, especially at least in our Western culture. And to find someone who can just sit with you and actually stall you a little bit and hold you in that place so you can feel the sadness and the pain of what you're talking about as you start to identify things in your past that did really hurt, you want someone who's not going to try and rush you through that to a solution, but maybe actually understand what's really going on a little bit more. Wow, that sounds like that really hurt. Let, let's not rush through this. Tell me more about what that was like to be seven and watch your parents splitting up. You know, how did you, what was that like? How would you imagine your seven-year-old to feel if all of a sudden you guys were splitting up, right? So you want someone who's going to be able to hold and, and even sometimes uh, highlight that pain a little bit more, um, which is a pretty unique experience. And, and back to the feeling of like, wait, I'm going to a stranger and they're going to make me feel worse and I'm going to pay for it again, <laughs> you know, but we're trying to work in the same way of building muscle. The way you build muscle is, you know, you lift a little bit more weight than you can handle. It stretches and tears that muscle fiber in an appropriate way. And then you heal right. And then you're able to lift more weight next time. And that's really what I try and think of as I'm painting the picture of what therapy looks like to either someone who's new or just curious, right? We're here to get stronger, not to avoid. Wow. That's so, so good. A lot of times my 
clients will come in with their list that they want to kind of cover in therapy. And, you know, it will be, well, you know, my husband did this or my child's misbehaving or this is going on in my life. This is stressful. Work is stressful, whatever it is. And I like to share with them that a lot of times these are just branches on their tree, but the work that we're going to do in therapy is really getting to the root, the underlying emotion, the underlying pain. Like Chris said, going back to your childhood, what needs were maybe unmet in your life? What, what beliefs did you have? What agreements did you make in your early childhood that kind of affected these so-called branches on the tree, these issues of life. Now we talk about having healthy branches means you have a healthy root. If you have some unhealthy branches of your tree, there's probably going to be a root system that's not healthy. So I, I feel like, you know, good therapy is getting beyond just sitting with the client, listening to how their day was or their stresses in life, but it's going a little bit deeper or a lot deeper and sometimes pulling out those root emotions and those root kind of pains and issues of life. Cause if we can get to the root and make the root healthy, we're going to have a healthy tree with healthy branches. What do you guys say? How would you respond when somebody says, I can't find, I can't find a good therapist. I've tried, I've tried, I've tried five different ones. What's really going on there? Is that the person's resistance? I mean, are there really just, they just got bad luck and got five bad people that they don't fit with or, you know, like, where is that statement coming from? Yeah, that, that one is unfortunately a nuanced and all too common. It depends kind of answer. Uh, there is a chance that you found five bad therapists in a row, right? Just because people have the desire to help and to heal doesn't mean they're qualified to do it, right? It's a lot of work to become a therapist, but it's also not that hard that it weeds out people who still need a little more development, right? We are, we are wounded healers and it's something that we have to recognize. Well, what about us drew us to being part of someone else's pain? What about us got us in this position where we wanted to be there with people who are hurting? Most of the time we're going to recognize there's something in us that needs to be healed and worked through. And we've developed all these skill sets along the way that help us to be really good at the job. But until we are free of our portion of that, we are encumbered. We are in bondage to it. My well-being is based on how I can be a help. So as, as soon as I'm able to find my healing, well, now those skills I developed in my unhealth, I'm able to utilize in a good way versus, you know, still I'm, I'm codependently acting out and trying to help someone because it's really helping me, right? So there's a good chance that you've kind of run into a bad string of five therapists, which is okay. It's exhausting because then you're gonna have to think about, okay, do I go to a six person and tell my story all over again? This is a lot of vulnerability fatigue and starting to get hopeless. What if it's me? So there's a lot of kind of self-talk that can go into that. Um, so that's one avenue of, and that, if that's the case, like, I'm so sorry. And I would really encourage you try one more. Uh, the other option would be, okay, well, let's explore that a little bit more. Is there something about the process that's actually really scary and that there's a part of me that's trying to keep me safe that is making it so I'm really resistant and avoidant to all these places, right? We are designed in this beautiful way that wants us to be safe. That doesn't want us to have to re-experience all the pain we've been through. So you might be experiencing some hesitation because part of you is like, no, 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 don't go down that road. We know where that ends. That's scary and dangerous, right? So there's that kind of feeling of, am I just scared to go down this road? Do I keep hitting a, a, a barrier, this wall of protection? And then the other one might be more of like, there was actual things that I wasn't comfortable with. The office was in a part of town that I don't feel safe in. The, the time of day I could meet, the therapist just didn't feel like a good fit. There's lots of reasons why it might not be healthy. 
or a good fit, which is also part of what else I want to say, you know, learning how to be explicit with your therapist is probably the best thing you can do. On the first appointment, I tell almost all of my clients, you know, you're going to have feelings towards me and reactions towards me. So if you leave today and it feels like I talked too much or, or I didn't, it didn't feel like I was really hearing you, the absolute best thing you can do is come in next time and tell me you're really pissed off that I didn't hear you, that you don't even know what you paid for, because it's going to help us with one of two things. Either I'm going to realize, you know what, I totally see what you're saying. And I'm really sorry. We can actually make a relationship stronger. Other option being they'll come and tell me, you know, it just felt like you talked the whole time and you weren't even hearing me. And I'll think through and be like, well, that's kind of my usual intro. And I've been doing it for a while and I don't normally get this reaction. So I start to have these curiosities. As I start to ask and push a little bit more, we find out that I actually touched on something that wasn't about us, something more historic, which now opens the door to go down that road. So success number two. So either way, the, all the taboos of, oh, you don't tell someone you're angry at them. You don't tell someone you're frustrated. You don't tell someone you didn't want to see them today. But in therapy, you very much want to do all those things because that's going to be how we get to those places of woundedness. That's how we're going to get to the place of realizing relationship can be messy. And that can also be what makes it great. Wow. I love, I love all that you just said there, Chris, so much, so much, because we do hear that. We do get clients that say I've been to five therapists. It's never worked for me. And I guess I just would piggyback onto that. It's a great time as, as a therapist to explore with the client. Well, okay. So what's behind that? Is this a pattern for you? Is this showing up also at work? Are you one that can't, you know, you're never satisfied with work. So you are switching jobs every three months. Is this showing up in relationships? You can't hold on to, you know, significant partner in your life because every three months something happens or every couple of weeks and you, you have to make a change in your, in your partner. So this is a really great time to get curious, like kind of like Chris, what, what is behind that? What is behind why it's a struggle for you to find a therapist that, that works well with this? Is this a trust issue? Is this an attachment issue? So you can, you can explore a lot. And when we're curious, well, what are you looking for in a therapist? Help me to join with you in that and see, oh, you don't want to talk about, you know, this thing. Okay. Well, I can, you know, we can go that way or whatever it would be, but I, I just like this idea of really exploring. It's okay. It's okay. We're not, and to know that we're not going to be everything to everybody. There's a time when I might need to say, this isn't working, is it? Maybe we need to refer you on to somebody who really understands or has a grid for what you've been going through. And I've had to do that. And it's a very humbling process as a therapist to say, you know, I'm not sure that I have what you need. And, and that's okay, too, to refer on. Yeah. Well, thank you both so much for being on the show. I think this was really, really valuable information. I think our audience will appreciate it. And I hope this inspires either if you're out there and you've never tried and you have some nuggets here to take with you to kind of empower you to get started, or maybe you're the one who did see five or six therapists that didn't didn't fit or it didn't work out or it wasn't quite right. And you're inspired to try again. I hope, I hope that is the case because it's, it's such a valuable resource and our audience is caregiving moms who are under so much stress, as you know, and this is one way to engage in a self-care practice that will sustain you for the long haul. 
And so we believe in it. We're proponents. That's why we're doing this episode. And so if anyone certainly has any questions or is seeking resources, you can definitely reach out through wearebravetogether@gmail.com or message us on Instagram at wearebravetogether. And we're happy to help you. Please subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And if you want to connect with other moms who get it, join our international tribe and sisterhood at wearebravetogether.org. And remember, always, you are not alone.